Some of you are aware that my first career, as it were, was in radio. I used to be Mike Richards, superstar, in the Orlando area, as a matter of fact. Heard on a very powerful radio station that actually blanketed the entire area and can be picked up in this area to this day, 107.7 FM. It was then called Freeform Progressive Radio. It is now, I think, uh, something like Warm FM or something. But I was a disc jockey. And that was an era long before Rush Limbaugh and talk radio. And it was on also an era long before you were allowed to get away with a lot of the stuff that people do on radio now. These so-called shock jocks. That was totally unheard of. There were still some ethics back when I was doing it. You know what these guys do, don't you? They, they just seem to go as far as they can, as far out with novel uh, little gimmicks, ideologies, and perversities to try to shock people, to get them, uh, as it were, to the edge of the envelope, to listen to them. We see the same thing happening on television in sitcoms and other things that just seem to go as far as they can into perversity to sort of shock the audience. Or as far as they can towards violence to shock people to get them to watch or whatever. I imagine that in many mega churches, these mega churches that dot the landscape of America today, that it would be equally shocking, equally amazing and shocking were the audiences that fill these vast auditoriums to hear the man that stands before them that they come to hear. It would be equally shocking were they to hear the truth about sin, were the truth about hell, the truth about the judgment of God, or the wrath of God. You see, it's not just radio or television that has left its innocence, as it were. The church has left its power from preaching the truth to preaching niceties and things that do not shock, do not provoke, do not upset anyone. And places have been lulled into sleep and lulled into a false sense of security and led out of truth and into lies, half-truths, and no power. And so I believe it would be very shocking in many of those places were they to hear what I'm going to preach to you this morning. Because my hope is that those who attend Grace Church would never be shocked by God's truth, but rather that you would be familiar with it and embrace it and relish it and love it and know that it is good and proper and for your benefit, even when it goes contrary to feelings or even when it goes contrary to political correctness. So rampant in our day. With this in mind, I wish to draw your attention to a passage of Scripture this morning on this Father's Day and use the occasion, as I said earlier, which was not my original intention, but now we will be using this occasion as a sort of a springboard to consider 
some truths about the godly Christian family. And in particular, the role of the father or the husband in that family. We will be dealing with principles from God's Word, which I say would be to many in our day, even in the Christian culture, shocking! How dare you say such things? And quite honestly, it's something that I know many pastors would not be able to do, would not be able to preach. And I'm thankful that I have a congregation which loves God's Word and gives me the freedom to preach God's Word and still keep my job. So turn with me please to Ephesians chapter 5. As we see, God's way is that fathers are to be the head of the household. That fathers are to lead. This series will take us through this passage in Ephesians chapter 5 and into Ephesians chapter 6. And it is entitled, Fathers, Lead, Love, and Live. And just by way of understanding that live doesn't mean live it up. It means live the Word of God. Lead, love, and live. And today we will only begin to deal with the first aspect that is addressed here in this text and which is addressed in many places in God's Word that fathers are to lead. Verse 22 begins, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. We will not even get through those verses today. We're going to deal with this and we're going to take it apart. We're going to examine it and we're going to understand what God is saying to us as Christians and to us as families. And it's not just to young fathers. It's to grandfathers. It's to expectant fathers. These are principles of God's Word and we need to know them. Because if the family disintegrates, and the family is God's plan, if the family disintegrates, so will the society. And we are seeing it happen. And so here we will begin with the first directives to dad. Fathers lead. Fathers lead. And we're going to begin by understanding the thrust of the text. What is this text telling us? The thrust of the text before we get to too much pointed application. He begins, as we said in verse 22, by addressing not the fathers. So dads, I'm sorry, this isn't really going to be too much of a message about dads today. But it is in what he is telling Mothers, it is what he is telling wives, an address to fathers. He says, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Wives are to be submissive. Shocking, isn't it? I told you it would be shocking. Wives are to be submissive. And I want for us today, if we get no further, to focus on what that means and what that doesn't mean. Too many guys go too far to that side, though. Oh, it doesn't mean, it doesn't. We're, we're not going to do that. We're going to really focus on what it does mean. 
Now, I want you to notice the language of the text. And I want you to look carefully at your Bibles. And you will see that the words be subject are in italics. You understand from your years of biblical experience, you understand that it is in italics because those words are not in the original Greek. You do not found you do not find the words be subject in the Greek text. That's why they're in italics. It shows that although they are not in the original, the thought is conveyed. And so for us to understand it in our English, they put the words in there. But the Greek reads like this. The women to the own men as to the master or Lord. Got that? It's, it's a little bit awkward. But this is the Greek. The women to the own man as to the master or Lord. Now it doesn't say master or Lord. It just says Lord. Curios. So we translate it sometimes master or Lord. Women are to act to their own men that is, to their husbands, as any Christian would to the Lord. They are to be subject to them. But I thought that you would like to know why it is that even though the words are not in the original Greek, why they are included in your English translation. And why we make no reservation about that. They are included in your English translation for several reasons. First reason is that the verb is taken from the context. Although the word be subject is not in verse 22, look at verse 21. Well, we're back at verse uh, 20. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. In verse 21, I assure you that the verb be subject is present. It is the Greek word hupatasso. And this Greek word also present in verse 24, but as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. So the word is in verse 21, and the word is in verse 24, because it is surrounding verse 22, is included in verse 22 because it is understood that that is what Paul is saying. That is the first reason that it is included. Verse 22 is surrounded by hupatasso. It's there. The second reason, besides the word being in the context, is that the meaning is in the context. It is obvious that this is what Paul is saying. Because when he says, wives to the husbands as to the Lord, goes with exactly what he was saying before and what he says directly after. That they are be to be subject to one another in fear and then compares the husband and wife relationship to the church where we are subject to Christ. So not only is the word used, but the meaning is obvious. Wives are to be subject to their husbands. That's why it's put in the text. And the third reason, there is a third reason that it is included in the text and that comes from the parallel reading in Colossians chapter 3. Look over to Colossians chapter 3. Wives be, it's the same word, wives be subject to your husbands. And so when the translators 
got together, considered the original language, the intent of the author, and our ability to understand in English, they included the phrase, be subject. Because it is what Paul is saying in the text. Wives, you are to be subject. Now that we have seen that it should be there and the meaning is there, don't you think it would be wise for us to understand what that word means? And that's where we want to spend the bulk of our time today. Understanding what it means when the scripture says that wives are to be subject to their husbands. The root of the word is actually founded in Greek military usage. Greek military usage. Now, I, I believe that you were in the military. You know what it means to have a commander. And you know what it means to be under a commander. This is the root of the word. It's used as the military to suggest that they would be in formation. Troops line up in formation under a commander or under a leader. That's the picture. And I was in the military and I recall that we would have a leader, even in small squads or in larger formations. There would be one man who would bark out the orders to the formation, to the assembled army. And he would march them or lead them or tell them what they should be doing. He was the leader. He was the commander. Now think with me in a battle or in a wartime situation. I fortunately never had to be in a wartime situation. But I had a lot of friends who were, and I'm familiar enough to know the workings of an army to know that if you had two guys yelling at the troops to do two different things at the same time, you would have chaos. Get down! Go forward! Well, who would you listen to? There was one leader, one commander for the assembled troops. And if one is yelling left, right, left, right, while the other is going right, left, right, it wouldn't work. This is where the root of the word comes from. And so, when it is used here by the Apostle Paul in this context, in the application to the wife and to the family, what he is saying is that wives are to subject their own self-control to the control of another. Even as that army formed together was under the control of a commander, under the control of a leader, wives are to subject their own self-control to the control of another. Now I want us to see this word used. I'm not saying who yet, notice. <laughs> I want you to see how this word is used. Look over to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, Peter is teaching and he says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior, ec behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may on account of your good deeds as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation. Submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king 
or to one in authority. You see what he says? Hupastaso. Submit yourself to authority. Now, how would that apply in our lives? How would that apply in our actions as we live? Well, a lot of people look at these texts and and um, immediately apply them to things that, that Jesus mentioned with his own disciples. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. Render to God the things that are God's. And Jesus, as you recall, was talking specifically at that time about taxes. We're under authority. But there's a whole lot of authority that we're under by the government and those who have the rule over us. We're under authority not to kill, not to steal. Not, not only are they the commandments of God, but they are still the laws of our own society. They govern our actions when we drive. We don't just plow through red lights. We don't do things out of, uh, uh, that would cause danger to other, others in our society. These govern us and we are subject to the command of others. I don't mean to be picking on you, but you're going to be a police officer. He turns on the lights, and the car in front of him stops. Or else. (laughs) We're subject to the authorities. We do as they, as it were, command. Look at the usage again, a little bit further down. In the text, verse 18, servants, and here's our word, be submissive. It is the same word translated submissive to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and gentle, but also to those who are unreasonable. That's going to be a difficult thing that we'll look at in a little while regarding wives. But this is what the word subjective or subject to subject to means. Be submissive. Be submissive to your masters. When you're a servant, you couldn't just say, well, I don't don't feel like making your dinner tonight. I don't feel like cleaning the porch, or I don't feel like picking in the fields. You know, even Jesus had something to say about that in regards to us, that we are servants. And that our job as Christians, as it were, is to serve our Master, to serve our Lord. And when we do it all, we simply say, we are just servants. That's submissive. And that's what the word suggests that when we enter into a marriage relationship, the marriage relationship suggests that the wife is the one who is to be submissive. It is to be subordinate to. Ready for another shocking word? It means to obey. You remember in marriage vows not too many decades ago they used to say to love, honor, and obey. Now I think that most of you realize that that has been omitted in most marriage situations in our day. It's too offensive. It's too harsh and cruel to suggest that the wife was to obey the husband. It's as though it was some kind of a wicked thing that God was imposing upon women. How dare you tell us that we're supposed to obey these guys? And so it has been omitted from marriage vows. But I tell you, it has not been omitted from the Word of God. That is what the Word 
means and it is not wicked or wrong or harsh or cruel. It's God's way. It's God's command. It's God's demand. And we'll see how it is not harsh or not cruel. But understand in the marriage, it is the wife who is to be submissive, not the commander, not the leader. She is the one who surrenders her control to another. Now mark First Peter, but go back to our text. We're going to jump back to First Peter in a few minutes. But back to Ephesians chapter 5. Now I want for you to understand, and I said I hadn't said who, but I want for us to see who Paul is talking about when he speaks of the wife being submissive. Who are you to be submissive to? And that is not just a cut and dry thing in some people's minds in our day. But he says, wives or the woman be subject to your own husband. The wife is to be submissive, is to be surrendering her control to, as we saw in the Greek, her man, her own man, her husband, her own husband. Now that, you see, sets one man apart from all others. And that's the point I want to make. It is not wives be subject to all men. The Apostle Paul and the Scripture is not telling us that wives are supposed to be subject to every man everywhere. It's your own man. Your husband. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But I do want to make sure that we do understand that there are always going to be times, circumstances, and occasions in society, in culture, that call for polite submissiveness by women, irregardless of if it's your husband or not. That's just common in culture and in society. Why is it wrong to think back to the way it used to be when women were not involved in women's lib, self-sufficient, standing up for myself, you have no right, you know, no opening of the doors and all of that? Why is it wrong to think of a woman as kind and gracious? polite and submissive even in our culture, in our day. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but I also want to point out one thing more pointedly beyond the culture and more importantly in the church. Now remember, we're talking about your own husband, but I'm just mentioning the fact that there are times when women are to be submissive beyond just the husband-wife relationship. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The Apostle Paul here is dealing with some of the things that go on in the church. There are a lot of other places where we could turn to see some of this, but look at verse 34. Let the woman keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak. But let them be, let them, look at the word, subject themselves just as the law also says. And if they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands some of the same language. Suggest, uh, subject themselves and ask their own husbands at home. For it is improper for a woman to speak in church. We've dealt with this issue. We've dealt with the meaning of this and the, and the application of this, that it is not suggesting that it's, that women should, as soon as they come through that door, never speak a word. We've seen the context and the understanding that it involves teaching and usurping authority of men. That's another message 
that we preached a couple of years ago, I think the CD is still on the table. But the point I am making, and I want to draw from this text, is that even in the context of the church, women are told to be submissive to men. And this is men in general in the church. Submissive. Subject themselves. Turn over that control to the leadership of another, even in the church. Now, back in our text, and this is where we want to kind of hone in, as it were, on the home. It is, as we have been saying, as the text says, your own husband. Your own husband. Notice how the language is. It's not just a husband. It's your, and it's not even just your, your husband. It's your own husband. That one man in all the world that you have left father and mother to cling to. That one man in all of the world unique to you in your relationship. That two become one flesh. That own husband of yours. Your own husband. We find the same language in that parallel passage that we read in Colossians chapter 3. Wives be subject to your Husbands, they don't have the word you own, but your husband, it's your husband. We read it just now in 1 Corinthians 14. Your husband, your own husband. Women are not called on to be subject to all men. Or even all husbands. That guy down the street, hey woman, make me a cake. No way. The neighbor tells you to come over and cut the grass. You are not called on to be subject to all men everywhere. It is your own husband. People, this is what I want for us to understand. And ladies, this is what I want to make sure you know that I understand. And that the Bible teaches women are not ever anywhere treated as second class citizens or slaves of men. That is not being submissive. Women are not second-class slaves. To have the men everywhere rule over them. We are talking about a specific situation between one woman and her own husband. Be submissive to your own husband. It is a very close and personal relationship. Notice also that it is not your own husband if he is perfect. If he is the guy you dated, which he's not. It's if he's always right. That's not what it says. As a matter of fact, it doesn't say if he's the best leader or the best husband or the perfect husband. It's your husband. Be submissive. Be in subjection to your husband. You say, oh, but you don't know my husband. Then maybe I don't. But he's your husband. And this is what the Bible says to you. Look back to First uh, Peter. Because here is some things that apply to husband and wife relationships even when they're not all that great. First Peter, this time we'll look at chapter 3. In the same way, you wives, be submissive, and that is our word, hupatasso. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Notice it says, to your own husband. 
so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, that they may be one without a word by the behavior of their wives as they observe your chaste and respectful behavior. You see what he's saying there? If we could put it in the vernacular, even if your husband's a dummy, still, he's your husband, your own husband. And even worse, if he is an unbeliever, you are still to be subjective to him. You are still to live godly lives before them. I have seen in my life as a pastor many occasions where wives can't stand their husbands, and you can tell. They claim to be Christians. And when you engage them in conversation, the first thing that they do is criticize their husband. Speak ill of him. And you can just tell they hate being married to the guy. I have known other marriage situations where the husband's an unbeliever. We have an illustration in our own church where the woman is a godly woman and lives a godly life before her husband and is still submissive to him. Verse 3 goes on. Let not your own adornment be merely external braiding of the hair and wearing gold and jewelry and putting on dresses, but let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. And doesn't that sort of conjure up pictures of uh, the women's lib leaders of our day? Gracious, gentle, submissive women. But he goes on to say, for in this way, in the former times, the holy women also who hoped in God used to adorn themselves being submissive to their own husbands. What a different world we would have if women lived godly lives before their husbands. And part of that is being submissive. If they were to live godly lives before their spouses, being a testimony of the grace of God in their lives, instead of going, why don't you come to church? Ah! You know, it's just, just I'm not, maybe that's called for sometimes. But submissive, godly lives, adorning themselves with holiness and godliness. I can also say to you that I have seen families turned around when God saves a wife and she lives this way before her husband. That that whole family turns around. We have a tremendous testimony even in our own extended family of this happening. Where the wife was saved and her life was so changed, so radically changed and she became a godly woman, that the husband who originally would have nothing to do with the things of God started going to church with his wife, heard the gospel, was saved by the grace of God, and is now a man very greatly used in the kingdom of God. Even though the man may not be... uh, fun, obedient, women live godly lives before your own husband because God may well use that in his salvation. Now back back to our text as we focus in on the end of this verse, 
Wives, be subject to your own husbands. And then he says, as to the Lord. This is where I want to say what that is and what that is not. Wives, be subject to your own husband as to the Lord. It is not suggesting that you are to have some kind of a, some, the same absolute devotion to your husband that you would have to Christ. This is not doing away with the teaching of our Lord that says, seek first my kingdom. Place Christ first above all. That's not what this is suggesting. It is not suspending the rest of the Word of God and saying that no matter what, you're subjective to your husband, even as to the same level as to God. No husband can and no husband is to replace a wife's relationship to Christ. He can't do it and he's not supposed to do it. It's not saying you have the same devotion and the same dedication and the same obedience to your husband as you would to Christ or to God. Christ is to be the focus first and foremost of even the godly woman. It is Christ whom we serve. It is Christ whom we love first and seek His kingdom. I've said a lot so far about Wives uh, submitting. But I want to stress and make sure that I include here that you are not to submit to a husband more than to Christ or more than to God's Word. You don't do what a husband says if it's disobedience to God's Word. You don't obey the husband if it's a clear directive to disobey God. That's not what is being stressed. And I would also say here that some wives have a tendency to displace Christ with their husband. So here's the opposite of the of the wife who would say bad things about her husband. Oh, I don't like him. Here's the wife who just idolizes her husband. And the husband takes the place, as it were, of Christ. And the wife tends to listen to what the husband says more than what the Word of God says. I've seen situations like that where ladies trust what their husbands say even when what their husband says is not also biblical or accurate. Don't idolize your husband. Believe it or not, he's just a guy. We're all just guys. Husbands are just men, and the best of men are men at best. And if your husband isn't leading you into the truth, your devotion is still to the truth. If your husband is not leading you in the way of Christ, your devotion is still to Christ. As I said before, I know families where the wife gets it, and the husband doesn't. He may, I'm not saying, I'm not even talking about salvation. He may be saved. But in terms of theology, God gives some women very good insight in theology and understanding of the Word of God. And the husband, well, he's just watching TV. And he doesn't get it. But understand, the wife, first devotion is to Christ. But even in a case like that, you're subject to your husband. You're subject to Him. But what is this text saying? 
This text is saying that wives are to be subject to their own husbands as to the Lord, not replacing Him with your husband, not giving more devotion to the husband than you would to Christ, but rather it is saying that you are to be submissive to your own husband in the same manner that you are submissive to Christ. In the same manner. In the same way. And how is that? How are all Christians to be subject to Christ? Begrudgingly? I don't want to listen to Jesus. Spitefully? Well, I'll do it. But I really don't want to do it. I'll obey what you say, God. But listen... I don't want to do it. Like protest? Argue with God? There's something wrong with a Christian who would quote-unquote obey God that way. A Christian obeys, is subject to God willingly. And it is born out of a deep Love for the God who saved you. When you recognize and realize who you are as a sinner before God and when God by His grace saves you, you are struck with humility, love, and desire to follow the one who has done this for you. The one who in time and space and eternity sent his own son to die in my place. That I, an undeserving worm of a sinner, would be saved from his judgment and from his wrath. When that really strikes your heart and grabs your heart and soul, you do not follow Christ begrudgingly. You follow Him willingly, lovingly. We'll really deal a lot more with that whole aspect of the husband and wife relationship, the the love that has to be involved as we get in to the next verses. But there is even this element mentioned in verse 33 of reverently. Wives to your husbands with respect. The word can be translated fear. Remember the root of the word? The army? That they're there in formation and they follow the leader and the commander? I don't want to think of the army in the way that the news media portrays it. I don't want to get CNN's understanding of the army. Fox's, I think, is a lot better, but even still, I I listen to some others even more. And I know that most of these guys out there fighting volunteered to go. They entered in to the agreement to follow their commander to go and fight the bad guys. And when the commander says, go, take the hill, take the house, take the village, they don't go, uh-uh, I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, no, 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 it's not, it's not a good time for me. They do so willingly. And they do so with a love for country. It's the same word used here in this text to speak of wives being submissive to husbands. They do so willingly. They follow because they want to. Because it is right and because of love. Let me just read you a a paragraph of uh, what John Gill had to say about this particular verse. Wives should think well of their husbands. Speak 
becomingly to them and respectfully of them. The wife should take care of the family and family affairs according to the husband's will. She should imitate him in what is good and bear with what is not so agreeable. She should not curiously inquire into his business, but leave the management of it to him. She should help and assist in caring and providing for the family and should abide with him in prosperity and adversity. And do nothing without his will and consent. And this subjection is only to her husband, not to any other man, nor to her children, or to anyone brought into her house or her sphere of influence, we would say. And in this consideration, she should render the subjection more easily, voluntarily, and cheerfully which is but reasonable that it should be. People, this is a picture of biblical submissiveness on the part of a wife. Willingly to Jesus, giving her control, her self-control as it were, over to the husband, over to the leader of the house. I'm sorry that we have to, to, to leave it at this, but I want to assure you, as we will see, it is never meant to be harsh or wrong or a wicked thing. But it is a good thing as the one who created the family established it. And it works extremely well as it is done according to his purpose. Now, all of this sort of sets the ground for what we will get into in verse 23 and following, which is his admonition to fathers to lead. And I know that, uh, you know, as we get in, we'll address some of these things and it will be more pertinent to fathers. And, and I apologize that we didn't get to actually talking much to fathers on this Father's Day. But just think, this entire series is going to be addressed pretty much to dads. Because even as he sets the stage for what mothers are to be doing in the household, it's really addressing the fact that the fathers are the ones who are to be leaders in the family, leaders in the household. That's what we will be getting to. So as we close, you wives, consider your standing before God. Consider how you live your life before your husband. Now I pray that you're every bit as submissive at home as you are here. Because that's what God says. And it's a good thing. And I commend you. But dads, we'll get to you starting next week.